you know, without thinking about it, I said, well, I don't know that we get cool projects. I feel like what it is, is it's like BYOF, man, you have to bring your own fun to the thing you're doing because we don't have to go explore villains and layers. We don't have to do that at all, but we choose to. Hey, hello, and welcome to Architecting. This is the show where we uh, look at the act of being an architect, the, the people and the stories behind the images and the, the buildings. Um, with our very interconnected international world that we live in, this podcast will be focus, purposely focused and narrow. So we're just going to be focusing on um, the community of Colorado designers. I'm Adam Wagner. I'm a Denver-based architect. I'm married to an architect. I have two architecture degrees from, from Kansas State and from Yale. Um, I've worked for firms in Kansas City, Wichita, uh, Rotterdam, New Haven, Mexico City, and now Denver, where I'm an architect at Open Studio Architecture and uh, teach at uh, University of Colorado, Denver. Uh, I, I really love being rooted in this uh, Colorado community getting to know uh, other architects. And so now I've decided to broadcast these conversations uh, with the goal of making a, a stronger community here in, in Colorado. So this brings me to um, the person today that we're interviewing as uh, one of the first people I reached out to in, in, in Denver. This is uh, Brad Tomasek. So for me, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to look up to Brad and the work that he's pulled together. Uh, I see his work and the work of his firm as being one of the most kind of um, curious and, and striving and academically kind of focused uh, bodies of work within Colorado. Um, I like to judge architects and their websites based off of the amount of drawings and diagrams and physical models they have. And, and uh, Tomasek Studio does not disappoint in, in, that, in that realm. Um, so Brad went to school at the University of Florida, and he co-founded uh, Studio H&T in 2003, which later turned into Thomas X Studio in 2013. So Brad and this firm have won uh, a number of awards, uh, especially from the AIA Colorado, um, where he, they won the, the Young Firm of the Year Award in 2008, and then again in 2020. Uh, he was also named the, uh, the Young Architect of the Year uh, for AIA Colorado in 2012 and um, also by the, the National AIA in 2012. Um, so he's, he's, a, he's a young, forever young guy. Uh, he's been on almost a kind of uncountable amount of AIA juries um, and lectures, um, as well as being... Uh, kind of consummate uh, studio instructor at the University of Colorado. So I've, I've really um, appreciated Brad as a, as a mentor and a friend, uh, and I'm glad to have him on the show. There we go. Nice. It's like massive technology issues. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been going back and forth on if like, if this is worth it. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, you know, Zoom would be a lot easier and it'd be a lot less nerve wracking, but it, it's kind of fun to have people on here. Like we had, we had some people 
watching that kind of disaster of us trying to connect but uh, <laughs> it's like so. two two button requirement it's like oh yeah like what's what the what's next exactly i'm like i'm i'm definitely an architect not a uh not a professional <laughs> podcaster here but uh that's yeah. all right well thanks for coming on thanks for joining um, absolutely yeah this is good so um you know, I, I had this I had this outline of, of uh, questions that I kind of started from, and I'm trying to figure out if this if this first question is right. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is like, so so what would be your like two line bio if you had to say who who you are and kind of like a quick like two sentence kind of thing. Architecturally related? <laughs> no, I think it's like so for me it's the interesting thing of like what people say because yeah, I, I yeah of how how they would explain themselves in like two sentences you know uh i say two words relentless curiosity really that's yeah that's really funny because um like i expected when i wrote that question i expected people to be like okay i'm an i'm an architect i'm an educator i'm a dad i'm a i'm a whatever but it's but you and blake moyer have answered that question almost the exact same where he said something like um like tenacious something you know but so what were those two words it was relentless curiosity relentless curiosity yeah i think even in your introduction i said that i thought your one your your bodies of work was one of the most curious in in colorado and i i was trying to figure out a good word of like that idea of searching and like pursuing but that was the closest i could get but i could see it being misconstrued in a different sort of like it's a curious thing but I sure. I, I think the other piece of that, another way to say is maybe overthinker, like, mm. or just, just like thinking as a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> like just constantly like, huh, I wonder. Yeah. That's, um, that's a good, that could be like a, a tagline for this podcast, architecting, thinking as a hobby. That maybe that yeah. word. But so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, cause I think that that's a commonality we probably all have, right? I mean, if we're putting stuff together and, you know, in this, uh, yeah, in in the in the multitude of pieces and parts and things and craft and uniqueness and just assembler of things or maker of things that I think all architects have that commonality, whether they're doing huge skyscrapers and assembling pre-manufactured parts or whether you're cutting and welding steel. Right. Like there's just this like, you know, makerness of us that binds us all. Yeah. So that 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 ta tables nicely into so how how did you get there like the, you've you've got this very defined kind of skill set and mentality has it always been there what, how, how, where are you where are you from and how did you get to this point hmm. well i mean literally i'm from the east coast from florida and uh you know always had this you know even as a you know architecturally even as a kid looking back i think you're always drawing and making stuff i mean i think again like i don't think that that's like that uncommon if you're an architect you were probably doing that stuff so i never think of this as like some type of groundbreaking knowledge um but uh but i think you know literally making drawings and then going out and building something i don't know sunglass stand but i would draw it first and i'd go find materials and i'd go make it realize <laughs> it never quite looked like what i was thinking but by I me mean, even on an early early you know uh, early days, it was always that. And certainly there's Legos and tree forts and, you know, pretty boy kid stuff ish, you know, stuff. Um, so I think that where, that's, yeah. Where in Florida are you from? Like, 
I, uh, I Orlando. Did. I mean, oh, I, really? I was born in South Florida, you know, Fort Lauderdale, but I, I moved, my parents moved pretty early on, you know, back in, I think like 78, South Florida was getting too populated for them. If you can imagine <laughs> what it's like now uh, in, in Orlando, I guess Disney had just opened in 72 ish, maybe 71. Uh, so, you know, Orlando is an old orange grove town, middle of nowhere until Disney showed up and then Disney brought, you know, population and, and growth and, you know, it's funny to talk about Disney because I think the very thing I probably observed going to, like I was a season passer, like I went to Disney. That's what you did in Orlando, right? It was a, you know, it was a destination. So, mm. but what was really interesting was as, as a young person seeing atmospheres being created, like literally like a library, like right next to one another and kind of being coming aware. I mean, I remember standing in, you know, the park and looking and being like, man, that's like Bavarian. And this is like, <laughs> like, like it was very, it was like this encyclopedia of place. And, and while I struggle with the fakeness and the themeness, you know, when you're, you know, when you get, you know, as I started to get older and learn about the reality materials and truth and all those kind of things, I think we like to, you know, <laughs> preach about um, the reality was, you know, Disney was taking things he had seen globally and trying to bring them back and how do you do that other than recreate them, even though it wasn't of its time and its place, it was of a different uh, discussion, I think. Um, so the very thing that got me interested in, you know, now I'm like all, you know, truth, honesty, real materials, all that was really this fake thing that was a replica of something else. So it's just that's interesting. Really, yeah, that's really funny. It really is like an encyclopedia of of architecture at three-fifths scale or whatever, right? It, like, <laughs> right, right, uh, right yeah. there for you to... So then was it a pretty clear path to, to like to University of Florida for you? Like that was it, was it like, yeah, I'm, I'm going into architecture. I know. And, or was I it think there's some, no, I, I think it was, I think once I got clear about bigger picture, like where am I moving towards school or not school? I mean, yeah, I don't think it was uh coming out of high school is kind of like, how do you, how do you know what you want to do out of high school? Exactly. You know what you're interested in as a drafting class. And, you know, those things came very easy and it was fun. It was kind of like where my, you know, heart probably, you know, you know, where I gravitated towards art classes, those kind of things. Um, but I think, yeah, once I, once I had conversations with people that were in the design world and knew that that's, I, I actually, you know, funny enough, went to university of Florida because I didn't know the disciplines exactly. Um, I actually had a friend say, Hey, you know, I have a friend in DC making like, you know, half a million dollars a year as an interior designer. I was like, that sounds great. You know, I think I want to do that. Where's that friend? Yeah, really. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, that was back in the nineties. Right? So, um, so I actually went to Florida at, yeah, as an in, into the interior design program, but like Florida was set up that, all three disciplines of um, interiors, landscape, um, architecture, you know, they all kind of take the first three semesters are all identical for all, all of those disciplines. And I mean, it wasn't, you know, six weeks into design studio that I was, you know, my teacher's like, why would you do interiors if, you know, you're limiting yourself with if you just do interiors, but a good architect does their own interiors. And while I didn't know exactly what he meant, I kind of sensed that that made, like that was logical. 
and so immediately changed my major and like once i got there and saw what was going on i was like oh yeah i need to go this direction because you had those three semesters where everybody was together was it a full three semesters and then you kind of chose architecture or interiors or kind of i mean I, th I think i think they just pulled everyone together so it was like 101 was like hey here's basic architecture history whether you're going in any one of these directions mm -hmm. so but i literally that like middle of that semester like a month in or whatever changed my literally changed my major mm -hmm. just be, but that's part, partly not knowing i mean I, I think about you know a lot of these 18 year olds that are going off to college that like how do you know how do you know enough about yourself to even know what you're interested in or what you want to do yeah, and I actually feel like my path was pretty direct, but even like as you make me slow down and think about it, um, you know, it there, it wasn't so beeline. Yeah, but then, but so then, so then let's talk about the path after school. So you, you graduated, and then what? What was what was next after that? Yeah, you know, I was working for a local. You know, I was interning in year three like i mean i think there was that natural like hey i'm gonna have to work and why not work in the field i'm interested in um and i worked for an architect who worked for morris out of dallas uh, like a long time ago he basically set up shop opened up his own firm um after you know morris brought him to orlando and he um lived in this really ritzy neighborhood and um he um yeah, I wouldn't say he wasn't, he wasn't, he was a good project manager and a good assembler of process and spaces, but I wouldn't say he was our capital A architecture. So we were doing a lot of uh, high-end designer homes for sports stars, basically. I mean, if you know anything about Orlando, uh, Isleworth, if you follow golf, I mean, that's where all the sports stars live. Shaquille O'Neal was living there at the time, Penny Hardaway, Payne Stewart, Tiger Woods, you know, was coming up, um, we actually did a competition for Tiger Woods for his house, uh, which he never ended up building anything on that property. Um, Payne Stewart, high-profile golfer. Mm. Um, if you remember, he died. His plane lost pressurization, just kind of kept flying, and that was yeah. a big deal. That happened while we were working on he and Tracy's house. Um, so there were these amazing, like, budgets and materials. Like, you can never say, like, these aren't really great projects. Like, they were amazing. They just weren't architectural. They were, like... Spanish Mediterranean, but I needed to be 20, you know, 20 bedrooms and da, 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 da. And that was, it was a good place to learn, but I felt there was a huge disconnect between the UF education I was getting, which was incredibly forward thinking and theoretical and, you know, all about space, you know, and, and then what I was actually doing. And I, I think for a long time, I was trying to understand that gap between school and practice um, that seems to happen so often you hear a lot of people that go through those programs like that's not real architecture that's not you know that's not the real world that's not so uh, i did um so i i interned for that person um you know you know good businessman good you know positioned himself really well but um i actually was able to uh get an internship down south with the architect don singer and he was you know he was out like you know uf but he went to columbia for grad school and, uh, you know, to give a sense of who he is, he was a really well-known regionalist. Um, and, you know, he won House of the Year for Arc Record back in 65 and 66, back to back. So wow. I don't expect anyone to know him, but he was, he was, you know, thinking about space very abstractly, you know, light, very clean spaces. Um, 
And I think that was the turning point where I realized there's architecture as business, then there's architecture as making and beauty and craft and, you know, design and, and that it was possible and it wasn't this, not the real world. It's like, no, actually it's exactly, you know, that can be a reality. Was he making it work from like a, a business standpoint as well? Or was he kind of just, was it like you and him in a shack somewhere down in Florida, mm. like doing stuff? He, he was, he was no, also he a was good businessman and yeah. very well established and very well known and had ultimately went on to do like the FAU tower, like be the you know, designer of, of that. And, oh, interesting. um, and he was doing a lot of high end, you know, residential and commercial work. I was just a you know blip in their culture. You know, I ended up being there for about a year and a half of breaks and summers and that. But it's funny how time expands and contracts, like just the small amount of time I spent with that group and just their passion for what they were doing. And, you know, they're winning awards and they're, you know, they're just the language. It's like, it's no big deal. It's just like, this is what we're doing, right? This is how yeah. we do it. Uh, but then having that counterbalance between another architect, you know, who I had worked with, which was more like, you know, don't do this and don't do that. And this is how we would do this. And don't think too far out of the box. Let's keep it, you know, keep it standard so we can keep cruising and, you know, do more projects and probably, you know, in his world, make more money. You right. I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting how there's, there's so many different ways to, to, to do architecture, right. To, to be a firm and, and if you're not switching firms every year or whatever, or jumping around, you know, you have your sort of reality and you don't know kind of what those other realities of firms can be. I think that's one th reason why I want to do this podcast is just to kind of like, how's Brad doing it? How's Blake doing it? How's, you know, like, and, and what is that kind of connection there or disconnect? But so I, I, yeah. I think that that's really important, Adam. I mean, I think I spent, even when we first started Studio HT, you know, and, and so, I mean, the, I guess to complete the thought was I moved out here after, you know, I realized I need to make a shift. I'm not staying. So, so after dawn, I went back after school to the firm I'd been working for because I didn't know what to do. I mean, I graduated and, you know, I mean, I just went home basically and I kept doing what I was doing and worked there for about a year, year and a half. And I was like, you know what, this is not, you know, it's funny how you have these moments where people just say things back to you. I think like reflectively, but um, Carlos Zapata, which is a really well-known uh, architect down in um, yes, uh, South Florida, who ended up going on to kind of you know, work on Wrigley Field. But he, he was a very deconstructive, doing these really amazing um, crafted projects, uh, came to speak at the AIA Florida. And I was talking to him afterwards. And uh, he said to me, you know, we were just talking and I was like, Oh, I just love your work. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah. He's like, so what are you working on? And I mean, just the way I talked about it, it was like, yeah, it's nothing really special. It's not really great. It really, you know, blah, 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 blah. blah. And he just looked at me and goes, sounds like it's time for you to move on. Like, you know, and, and literally like for him, it was just a fleeting comment. And for me, it was like this moment. I was like, Oh my gosh, like he's totally right. What am I doing? Yeah. So, so, you know, from there I went to Barrett studio in Boulder and David has, you know, you know, always, he was very sustainable, but always forward thinking, very poetic in the way he approaches his work and worked there for two years. Uh, and then, you know, going back to Studio HT, uh, which is a firm I launched with a good friend of mine from grad school, um, Christopher Hare, who's now a builder um, at, um, I can't remember his firm's name. Um, I forget it. I can't believe I forgot his name. I can, um, I can edit that out for you. <laughs> snip it, snip it. Yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> right, there it's a uh, Collaborate Builders. Yeah. He's with Collaborate nice. Builders. Um, 
you know, uh, you know, you go back to this, like what's out there. I think you're still looking around going, okay, how are people doing this? Right? Like, how does this work? And, and I, you know, if, if you're trying to give cliff notes and shortcuts to people, which I think this podcast is what you're saying, like how are different people doing this? And I look at the different people you have, like on your podcast, like right. Blake's doing really big scale stuff. And that's amazing that he kind of like jumped off from where he was. And, you know, now there's big stuff and Dean has been doing it for a long time and kind of in different ways. And then he's got this whole, New York Jackson whole Denver thing. So how did things, you know, just evolve organically? But, you know, I think I spent the first 10 years just kind of like, how's everyone doing this? And I kept hearing the same answers, which was, man, you know, these big firms, I always thought like the big firms had the answer, right? Small firms are the ones kind of like chasing their tail, but the big firms got dialed in. And every time I talked to people, they'd be like, man, you're, you're probably more systematized, more organized, more in touch than, you know, like from what I understand, the bigger firms always had kind of this, carnival in the background happening and so after a while you just start to trust that and then they just got to a point where i was like i don't even know that i care how people are doing it like what am i what am i doing and you know how do we make this work how do we develop a culture and approach projects really the way we want to approach them right so what was the idea when you started hnt ht and did you have was there like a project that that started it off or is it just hey we got to do something you know, I um, I got laid off from Barrett Studio, and that's because of nine eleven. So, you know, he had grown to eighteen people, and uh, he went down to eight. Uh, you know, effectively, and I was number nine. So, wow. um, so you know, I, I guess you could say I just missed the cut from uh, you know, as, and and I get it. You know, as a and as a firm owner later on, looking back, like I I totally get it. Um, and so while that was disappointing, it was kind of that moment where I was like, you know, I don't know that I want other people making those decisions for me, right? Like I'd rather follow my own sword than, you know, <laughs> wait to get cut by someone else. Um, and so that, you know, kind of is what started it. And really, um, you know, Christopher and I, we, we, you know, I went out on my own. And I was just like, you know, I'm gonna make a run at this um, and just see what, what we can do not really knowing anything. I mean, other than hopefully asking some good questions along the way. But um, I went out on my own and then like four months later, Chris was like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, you know, he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to. And so we were just really sharing work and working together. And it was always part of the deal. Cause we started, you know, we did his house, his grandparents left him a piece of property um, or it came through the family. And so there was always this intent when I moved out to Colorado, that we'd kind of work on his house together uh, which we did. I mean, that was like our first like fun, like, you know, abstracted, you know, how do you build on a slope project? And it was featured mm. on uh, Dream Home HGTV, you know, 13 episodes. I mean, it was kind of looking back, I'm like, damn, like, I can't even get that now, let alone back then. It's, you know, it's kind of like, well, that doesn't even seem like it was the same. What was that? House? Is, it, is that house on your website? What What's it? What's it called? A box house. I don't think it's on the current website. Okay. Um, uh, but it was, you know, basically a concrete ribbon that carves the site and you put boxes in and on. Nice. I love, I love simple sentence yeah. descriptions. <laughs> I like, I like that with your own bio and with the uh, concept. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that was, you know, that was kind of a fun, yeah, fun moment for us. And, and I mean, I think that gave us a little credibility, you know, being young, you know, that, you know, somehow we were featured or whatever. It doesn't mean we knew any, you know, knew any better. Or we had the history behind us or expertise, but, but um, 
I'm losing track of the so question. What, so, so, so that, that was bringing in money. Like, how were you? How are you eating? Were you? Eating oh yeah, no, eating? no. We were we were doing contract work, and then we were just we would do like you know, parents' friends' editions, mm -hmm. and I mean it was all small stuff. I mean it was so grassroots and organic. I mean Christopher and I literally put each put three hundred dollars in the bank, <laughs> and like in a in a account, and that's like that's where we came from. Nice. So there was no there was no lineage of work. There was no there was just let's just talk to a lot of people and try to make the most of the opportunities. So, yeah, I think it would, it would, it's almost funny looking back where whatever the project was, it was like, well, you know, it's just a, you know, we're just replacing trim in this house, but you know, what can we do with the trim? Like, you know I mean? It's really that kind of, I don't know, just that desire to improve things or to reconsider things. Yeah. Den Denny was talking about that when he moved to Jackson and it was like five years of kind of hitting his head on the wall in a way and just trying to find those special moments in each project. So like what, how long, how long was that period for you? Did, was there, was there a project finally that was like, Oh yeah, we, we've kind of made it more or is it just a slow gradient? I, I think slow gradient's the short answer. I mean, when I think about starting out, we were doing work for other people, which was kind of cool. Like we were doing, we were helping a landscape out, architect out with, you know, drawings and things like that. And you're learning a little bit more about the landscape world. Um, you know, Christopher's brother wanted to do a ski house in, in uh, Silverthorne. So nice. that felt like a, a pretty, like, wow, this is a moment, like this is a project we can do from ground up and, so there was a, so his brother had us do a kind of a, a ground up place. I mean, I look back and I, I bet we were doing it for like eight bucks an hour. Like when you start looking like all the time we put into it and you know, the deal he was getting and you know, you don't know what you're doing. Like, well, I don't know. It, it's just a weird transition. Uh, but you know, having discussions with people like the trim carpenter, cause we're talking about taking like, we want to do these nice deep wood jams, you know, like one by sixes and, you know, the carpenter's like, well, how am I supposed to drive a nail like long ways through a board without splitting it? Yeah, I mean, it's like those that knowledge, like learning right. from from our from subs and, and like, okay, well, it's a good idea, but, you know, how do you execute good ideas? Um, so, I mean, you know, we had, that was a, a pretty interesting project. And then you have a lot of infill. We did end up hooking up with a fairly forward-thinking developer, Cornerstone Homes, where, um you know, it kind of started out where we were kind of slightly affecting some of their old stock and reconsidering it, building stock and building plans and all that. Uh, but then we started doing one-off new builds. So, you know, Alpine's probably not on our website. It might be buried in kind of the prefab. It was a German prefab panelized system. But oh, then right. fra Fractured was, a, you know, kind of one of the yeah. highlights of working with them and that's kind of like i guess the lesson educating a client over time like we went from kind of taking their stuff and modifying it and trying to make it better to them saying well what would you do if we did something new and also their leadership at the time was kind of getting more into the let's do projects that like there's only a few buyers for which is really from a developer standpoint a really forward-thinking position because most of the time like make it as vanilla as possible so everyone can have it Right. And he and, and this person was more like, no, let's go ahead and take the risk that when those, you know, that CEO comes into town, we're one of two projects he's going to buy. And so that's that was kind of, you know, a nice way to end that relationship, because I think we started to move on from them after after <laughs> a few of those homes. But they kind of kept, you know, they kept new clients coming in and we were doing you know new houses and things, but, you know, fairly tame stuff. But I think if we look back, I mean. Yeah, you know, there was there was always you know 
throughout the year, there would be in the early years, two or three projects that I think we were really excited about um, that we weren't just trying to, you know, breathe magic into something that was kind of like, you know, those three projects were actually really real, real projects. And then, you know, the HDTV thing, I think people found us and said, Hey, we, we like your creativity. Like, what can we do? And so, I don't know. I feel like we were fairly lucky early on because, you know, always some percentage of our work was really exciting. Um, and I even remember, I remember talking to Harvey Hine, gosh, probably, a, you know, 10, 10 years ago or even longer. He's like, if you have one good project in your office a year, like you're doing great. Hmm. And I remember him saying that. I'm like, damn, then I must be doing, you know, then we're doing pretty good because yeah. I, you know, there's a whole handful of projects that we like. But, um, you know, it's, it's still that kind of upward climb and there's some regression here and there. And, you know, um, sometimes, you know, it seems like less and less the further we go on. But, you know, there's still those moments where I'm like, oh, we seem to be dropping off a little bit or like, oh, how, how did this project turn in from this thing to this other thing that's less exciting, you know? So. Right. Yeah, because it's so easy to, to like look at your website and say, man, every project he does is good, you know? But it's like... I think I've asked you this before. What percent of your of your projects do you put up on your website, and which which ones just don't get up there? Now, yeah, probably. I I mean, well, hmm. the last few years, everything's on our website that we're working on. I mean, there's not we're not we don't lately we don't have this kind of underlining nice keep people busy but that's also size wise right like i don't we don't have a huge staff if anything the daily conversation is like oh my gosh do we have to bring someone on yeah <laughs> and then my guys are like just relax like we'll get through <laughs> it like let's not because i tend to you know do this a little bit more but um but i also would say that that if they're not up on our website, sometimes it's because I don't want to have like 600 projects. Like, like I, like I want to curate like what we're presenting and it's getting harder because the lists are getting longer and it's hard to cut some of that stuff off, but soon it's all going to get lost amongst each other. Cause it's right. not clear because there's just too much. So, uh, which I think is a good, you know, it's a good problem to have. I mean, when we, when HT uh, split and, you know, Thomas X studio started in 2013, we kind of went and cleaned house and, but there's still like, I still like, there's a handful of products where I'm like, damn, I really think that should be somewhere. You know, there's some cool things that just are forever buried that, uh, you know, I don't know, but, right. but, <laughs> but then you yeah. end up just printing them off on boards and putting them, putting them up in the, in the, in your tall ceiling space anyway, like behind you. But yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so what yeah. happened there with, with HT? What was that? What was that end like? Because that was well, about what, like ten years when you guys were together? Or? Yeah, it was ten years. I mean, it was ten years of kind of relatively like I don't want to say quick growth because we never got really big, but it was ten years of kind of um, I don't know. We were just doing fun stuff. I mean, you know, um, whether we're exploring prefab modules or importing panels from Germany. I mean, I do look back and go, dang, it's like how'd that happen, right? I mean. You know, I think one thing just leads to another. Um, you know, we're doing a container house back in 2008, which it was pretty still, you know, it was pretty bleeding edge back then still. Um, but I think it's just talking to people, having conversations, talking about what you're interested in and not being afraid to kind of move forward. But, um, you know, I think HT just kind of got to a point where, um, you know, I think Chris Raleigh's kind of wanted to build. Um, you know, there was there was kind of discussions about, you know, where we want to head um you know ultimately he's now a contractor so i think you know 
it it became a yeah looking back it was i think inevitable uh that it would happen but um you know it we we got a denver office and he kept the boulder office and it was kind of like let's let's divide and conquer and instead it feels like it more just divided i mean i was never a fan of you know it's funny to say today but like you know zoom conferencing the 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 group in like the culture started to shift because we started to be you know i, I commuted to boulder for 10 years and Wow. It, happily it was fine like i liked it it was actually kind of a nice piece of my day where i got some downtime yeah you know, whether i was on the bus or driving um but ultimately it just seemed like we started like it was like when we split it was like oh why don't you just take your projects and the people you're working with and i'll take my projects and the people i'm i mean it was so clean hmm. it wasn't like this like we we were always super embedded early on and it seemed to become a little bit more siloed so um it just nice. seems like it was time. And I, and I do think, like, I remember talking to actually our client who was the, uh, you know, who was the um, Cornerstone Homes, Dean Didas, uh, was leading. He was the kind of creative director. And just feeling like maybe we'd, we'd kind of plateaued off a little bit. Like, where's that creativity or where are we going? Or, or what's, you know, what's the next, like, where are we moving to? Because it just, I don't know, started to, started to flatten out a little bit, I think, creativity, create, creativity-wise. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have that kind of easy, easy understanding of a, of a break and, and to kind of seems like a pretty organic kind of transition. Well, so, it's funny. What's funny is we had a business coach early on by his request, which, you know, I was like, okay, like we're going to business together. We should, you know, I'll accommodate that. I didn't, I don't know. I, I don't know how I felt about it. It was a really good thing actually. Did Very it cut smart, it? Cut it? Cut move. into your three hundred dollars each. It was like a hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we were probably paying her like twenty five bucks a meeting or something, which is like, oh gosh, can we afford this? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, but we actually went into it um, because David and his partner Gary Steele split, and I came in at the very tail end of that, and we actually had a lot of conversations about okay, how do we guard against that? Right, like there was this early on awareness of like, well, we want to do everything to make sure that that doesn't happen. And yet, you know, it's still inevitable. So. Yeah, that's funny. Um, my camera is fine. Um, nice. So, so then you, yeah, you split off. Um, so what's, what's the firm like now? How many, how many people do you have? Uh, we have one, two, three, four, five, six of us. And that includes um, an intern and, uh, my wife, Krista, who's our CEO, CIO, COO, everything C. Um, that's another piece, I think, that's a whole other, you know, podcast, which is the business side. And uh, I think we're super lucky because she's so business that we get to be all design. So, um, you know, she keeps she keeps that side humming, whether it's HR, you know, payroll, you know, all of that stuff, which is critical for, you know, a design firm to flourish. So I'll just leave it at that. So but. when did she join? Like at what, what, at what point did she's, she she's helping that? out? She was helping out all along. She was helping out HT. She was, you know, she was just, and I mean, to her, it's like, I think, you know, it's her passion. Like, I mean, I think she's like, that's, this is cool. Like seeing a, a small business grow and, you know, keeping things going. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like this year, she spent a lot of time doing contract work as a consultant. So, um, you know, she kind of dovetails back and forth and, you know, it's, it's worked out. Um, it's worked out pretty well. Nice. Yeah. That's lucky. You know, being married to an architect, I'm, we're, 
this household's not very diversified. Like, she's actually on like an AIA conference call over my shoulder that I have to keep kind of <laughs> muting her. But, um, but having that that complementary skill set, uh, business skill set, would be nice. But I'm not saying it's all roses. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's times where she's like, "Why are you doing this?" Because like, I have to. So yeah. She always kids me because I'm. You know, I've, I told her once in time, I, I said I teach because, you know, it feeds the soul, not the, not the bank account. And she'll say, like, well, go feed your soul. You know, <laughs> go like, feed your soul. Yeah. Like, yeah. So. That's funny. Well, I think that that's good. Like, um, going into this next section of the, of the questions, uh, uh, you know, I'm really interested in, in sort of, like, what, what's, what was, like, the mountaintop moment of your career and what, what was the, the lowest uh what was what was the darkest time of being an architect hmm. well um yeah i don't know what the you know gosh i feel like i'm still climbing that mountain actually i mean hmm. yeah I, I guess i feel like the best is probably yet to come so i i, I will say i guess uh national you know aia young architect i mean it's just a moment of like you're you're spending all you know blood sweat and tears doing this and kind of living and breathing it and i don't know i mean recognition it's nice but it doesn't you know i didn't get a big check with that right like it's not like it was some payday uh so it's nice i guess to be recognized but i guess what that taught me was like all that does is hopefully bring in more work than better clients hmm. i mean that allow you to be more expressive um and that's in some weird way that's a huge win just getting good clients that want to they're like-minded and allow you to do your craft. It's a, that's the win. That's the payoff. I right. think. And huh. so more work, more work is the payoff. <laughs> more work. Yeah. <laughs> cause I mean, cause that's huge. Like I, I didn't quite realize that when I, you know, I looked on your website and I mean the national AIA young architect of the year, I mean, is it, it's one architect or is it? No, they pick about t when, when back when back in 2012, they, there's like 10 or 12, people a year i think yeah. now it's kind of grown to like 15 or 18 hmm. um which makes sense i mean you know there's a ton of people out there i mean yeah you know. so um so you know uh but as far as uh yeah i, I guess um yeah let's get to the good stuff what's what's the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you know i think i think we've been super fortunate that we haven't had a lot of projects go south um and uh you know, it, you know, I think one of the cool things about what we do and when what other you know designers out there are doing is you kind of get intimate with your clients. You get to like know them in, in some small way, but more deeply, quickly. Um, and, you know, so, so that's super important, you know, that we're all investing our time into something. And is it worthwhile? I think is the, you know, the way I look at it. Um, and I think what has, you know, fortified my attitude on, like I want to know the end user. I want, I, you know, as odd as it might sound. And I don't know, cause I know commercial architects are like, how do you do, how do you work with people? Like, how do you, why do you want their input? You know? And then I, and then I look at other, you know, I ask them like, well, how can you not have input? Like, All right. like that's just like go off in your cave and, 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 you know, design your thing and then present it to the world. Like it's some, like I'm going to bestow this upon the, you know, for all you little, you know, people to enjoy, you know, it's like, no, I want to craft something with somebody. I want to, share architecture with them. I want to educate them. I want them to educate me. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, clients say stuff. I'm like, damn, that's a really good idea. Hmm. Like, I wish I would have thought of that, you know, like, so, 
um, I think this leads up to, um, you know, we had a project. It was kind of at the, you know, it was towards the tail end of, of HT as well, um, where, um, you know, it was a developer, very forward thinking, very creative, very, um, you know, um, all good intentions, I think. I think, you know, it was well, well intended. But I, I struggled with um, the creativity was always tethered to you can't get around when you're developing the fact that there's a bottom line and there's, there's things that need to, you know, accommodate that. I mean, for most architects, well, it's a reality for us because our clients have bottom lines too, but, but there's a profit, there's a, there's all kinds of things that kind of go into that equation. And, um, you know, the idea that we didn't know the end users that were using, you know, these, you know, these things really kind of was a moment of clarity for me that, I want the relationship. I want that discussion. Um, I don't, you know, it puts me in a weird position because I don't know that I want to do big projects. You know, um, maybe I'll do big projects with the right clients if I, you know, if we're working on it intimately together. But, um, but, um, you know, that project just took a turn and, and, you know, you know, budgets were changing and, you know, we were, we were, you know, spinning our wheels on some things. And so, um, uh, it was just one of those things where when, when push came to shove, it's like, I, you know, why are we doing this? Like it's, it was a great opportunity and uh, I'm still proud of the, the, you know, the, the work we did, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it was kind of like, um, we, you know, we're doing it for a, 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 an intermediate party. And, and it was, it was, I guess I had to go through that experience to realize I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be working with this group, but really that group is serving all these other people. Um, so anyways, there's a moment of clarity for me personally, and we've kind of not done that. I mean, worked for developers, but small scale stuff, right. you know, where they're wanting to do something unique. We just worked for a group in, um, Missouri uh, on a multifamily project. Um, and he's like, I'm just, if you were, it was in Columbia, Missouri. And he's like, if you came to Missouri, if you came to Columbia, you'd understand why I want you to do some work here <laughs> because I want to raise that dialogue. And so, you know, it's under the right circumstances. I think it's, it's good. Um, but I'm very skeptical of, of, of working for people who aren't the end user. Yeah, and that's really interesting uh, how you clarify that like that. Um, yeah, because I can tell you on working with the Corn Show office buildings for a year or so, it's it's pretty easy just to make those bo <laughs> empty boxes and and do some cool uh, facades and but uh, but I you know it, we haven't got into your teaching at all, but but I think you know, with, with teaching, like I know, you know, you're, you're, you're teaching all these different typologies and looking at libraries, looking at these other things. Does it ever, does it, does it get to you like that itch of I'd like to do some more commercial projects or, or larger projects or, or it's just something you won't sacrifice with that, that idea you just talked about? No, I'm, I mean, one thing I think, and, you know, I'm pretty flexible. I mean, as a person and we get, calls and we do commercial work and it's small, but a smaller scale. Right. I mean, I I'm of the opinion that there's a certain size that you start to get 
beyond that you can't be personal. I mean, you can try. And I always use Lake Flato as the example. Mm. Like I like, I grew up with, I like Lake Flato and I grew up admiring them because they disassembled a barn, reassembled it, made it into a house. Like they were, they were at the scale where they were working and making and, you know, they might as well have been out there doing it. You know, it was that kind of, you know, intimate relationship. They do amazing work. They do big stuff these days. It's incredibly sustainable. It's green. Like they're probably one of the most prolific firms doing what they're doing. But as you get to campus scale, as you get to these bigger size scales, I see it. I see these moments where they're trying to be like, oh, by the way, we're really doing these like little moments and these handcrafted things. But you just, it's like saying like, let's make a skyscraper feel like a neighborhood. It's like, I don't know that it's possible. So you know, when you say you're working on these corn shells, you're doing some fun stuff. I think that's important too, right? I mean, that's, that typology exists. So right. I'm, I'm proud and glad that someone like you is working on them because they're going to be better than just shoving stuff out the door. Um, so I think it's just kind of the lane you want to operate in. And, you know, um, you know, I wonder sometimes, um, you know, am I strange because I enjoy it and i don't know if it's you know good bad indifferent i think it's just knowing who are you and and where do you excel and what do you get joy from and just do that just do that i think if you can take away all the noise or what or, or, or someone tell me what i should be doing you get really clear about what makes you happy and so um I think that's really the the trick i don't there's so many levels you could be operating on in this field so, you know, if messing around with all these different, you know, scripts and doing, you know, fenestration for a corn shell building is like, I just makes you happy, do it. I mean, you know, just find that thing that you, you love and just keep going. And, you know, for me, I always, you know, I don't feel old, but I definitely realize like I have years behind me now. I mean, I wasn't, it doesn't feel like that long ago where I, all I could do is look up because there was nothing behind me but school, you know? And now I'm like looking around going, dang, like I'm a middle-aged practicing architect. You know, I but, feel like I'm old, an old architect, but, uh, yeah, you keep winning these young architects of the year. Stuff, so <laughs> it, it, in my intro, I said, you just keep staying young, you know, like, uh, I had a, I had just, a colleague from, I had a colleague from school text me when he saw that post and he said, <laughs> I'm glad to know that you're still considered young because I know I'm younger than you. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you just need to keep well, restarting your firm every ten years. And that's you right. Keep getting that. Yeah, uh, I think fun. that's probably a sunsetting. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that was probably the last of the <laughs> of those of that of young. Uh, I don't know. They need but to have I, a middle middle aged. Yeah, I mean, well, going back to like that that passion part that you're talking about, you know, the, the projects that, and I, and you gave a great lecture at CU a year or two ago, but the projects that I really liked were the, like the vertical cemetery project. And then they, the other like cemetery house where it was just so, so much about like kind of phenomenology in a way, or just about like storytelling and place and, um, I don't know, but I, I, it's so, it seems like it's so hard to kind of find the time as a practice to do those type of projects and to, <laughs> and to make that work. Um, you know, but I see, 
I see, I see your firm doing that, doing those kind of things. I mean, mostly in my head, because it's tied to your your teaching and your methods that you're kind of doing there, and it it seems hard for it to not bleed over into the practice. But I, I think that's right. I mean, I think that's probably why I do that because I know it's you know teaching slows me down because right. I it, it occupies time and you know again there's days where I'm like oh my gosh I'd be teaching I you know I there's but what am I gonna do like get five more projects that I have to deal with and like and then I'm just going to be doing projects all the time so so I do you know consciously try to remember like the balance piece because you can't always I mean if you had to be creative 40 hours a week all the time like I'm guessing you get pretty burnt um so I don't know I think teaching subconsciously clarifes things in my own head like when I'm telling a student you need to be doing blah 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 and then I have to look at my stuff and be like shit am I yeah, doing that yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, so, um, but you said something that, um, oh, you know, where do you get the time? I, I think you just, you have to, let's call it R&D. You have to, for your own, I have to, for my own sake, invest in R&D because it's academic. It's, it's interesting. It's that relentless curiosity. So, um, you know, uh, it, and it's the weirdest thing to talk about this stuff in the office. So we have our intern, um, and Lauren and uh, one of our clients, when he was talking to us said, Hey, I'm really like, I, you know, I want this project like to have these elements like, well, you know, like James Bond, like, um, you know, like the hot, the, the layers, the hideouts, like, and although it was just a passing moment, it kind of like, just was a, like my blip went off in my head, just, why do we all, why does someone say James Bond? And like you right now, you, you're like, yep, I know what you're talking about. And we all, we all have our own idea of what does that mean? But, but it's a thing. It's not like, no one's not like, what are you talking about? They're like, oh yeah. So right now we are analyzing villain layers, mm. the architectural qualities of villain layers. And it's really starting to become complex because now we're realizing, well, is it just villains and spies? And so now we're talking and I'm, ha I'm trying to have this like, okay, we're like a real business. Right. And we're, and I'm trying to talk to you know Lauren about, I don't know where this is going, but we need to understand like the qualities and the profiles. And so, you know, it starts with bond. Why do we know what people mean when they say James Bond? Okay. So then, then there's villains, but it's not like there's one type of villain. There's the villain that lives in a cave and has like the missile silo. But there's also the villain that kind of parades himself like out in front of everyone. So now you got these personality types, right? Some people are really closed off and recluse. Others are like parading around and, you know, so then we're talking about, you know, this idea of um, sometimes villain hideaways are fortresses. They're technological. Like, what are these qualities that go with these typologies? But then you got Tony Stark. And so then we start talking about heroes, right? I mean, he's got like a glass box, but he's got all his technology. And like, we are in real time mapping this out in our office because we're interested in it. And it's not billable necessarily. I mean, it's right. billable, but not like completely. But it's important. I think these are the conversations I'm interested in exploring versus, you know, what's my three-part fascia? Like, you know, like... So, so we're like, we're, t this is really serious. I mean, as serious as it can be, cause I'm talking to her and I can tell she's like, where's this going? Like, why are we doing this? And in my mind, it's like, we'll know when we get there. Right. It's the process that we're like, so now we're going to start mapping out like 
well, now we're trying to identify like who are all these eccentric personalities. What we also realize is that spies don't have layers. They're transients. They stay in like really cool hotels, but they don't have places. So like, like we're learning like, like this whole genre, but it all stems from some client saying, I want a bond like place. And I'm like, why do, why do I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Like, why did I, my reaction was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And yet do I, Right. I don't know. It's an interesting, and it takes me back to a lecture I did at UF a few years ago where someone said, wow, like, you know, you just seem to have like all these cool projects and like, how do you get, how do you get those? And, you know, without thinking about it, I said, well, I don't know that we get cool projects. I feel like what it is, is it's like BYOF, man, you have to bring your own fun to the thing you're doing. Because we don't have to go explore villains in layers. We don't have to do that at all. But we choose to. Right. And, and whether that's on, you know, I mean, most of the time it's not on our own time. I mean, we're, you know, we're trying to wrap this up creatively into projects and things like that. But if you don't take the time to play and to explore, like, that's why, that's why I love school so much is because that's what we did. And so I guess I would link it back to this relentless curiosity, right? Like, like if you're not going to if you're just going to like let that go and be like, yeah, bond. Okay. Whatever. And then get back to detailing something, which in its own right can be fun too. Right. But, um, I feel like if you don't, if you don't give yourself that space and that time, I don't know, like, like that's, that's where the culture comes in and that's where the, um, that's where like the fun comes. And then I think people respond to that. You know, I think people see that and they like it and it's, I don't know. It's, it's fun. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I am interested in having fun uh, for what I do. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm really interested to see what comes out of that. Out of that study, uh, I, I was just listening to an interview with Elon Musk today, Musk today, and he was talking about, I want to build a house like Tony Stark. And yeah, and, it, and instantly has that <laughs> that right. connotation, you know. But then he was even like, I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to build this house because I know it's going to take up so much of my mental effort. And I've thought in my head, would I rather spend all this mental effort building a house or getting people to Mars? And I choose getting people to Mars, right? But, That's clarity. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's clear. So, um, yeah. So, last question. Do you, do you know where you're headed? Do you know what's, you, you know what's next? You just keep cruising on this, this uh, good ride that you have going for you so far. Is there any big jump? You know, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just, you know, keep talking. I mean, keep talking to people, keep having conversations, keep, um, you know, at some point along uh, this timeline, I started using the word evangelize, like mm. just evangelize design, right? Like, I mean, go out and preach, you know, I mean, what can design do for people? Because I truly believe it. I mean, it's, it's, it's so obvious to me that, you know, we can on many different levels for many different types of people and clients, uh, whatever level people are working at. I mean, I do think, you know, the thought that goes into planning into you know, systematizing things and the grading technology, like all those things can make such a huge difference um, in the output. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't know. I don't have some big, big end game in, in mind. I feel like collaborating, you know, you asked early on, like, do I ever, you know, you asked about the commercial piece of it. And, you know, there's those moments where I like, I'd like to do some bigger stuff, but I don't want to grow my firm to do it. 
I don't, right. I don't want to become 30 people because I need, you know, a huge set of people to do bigger projects and do CDs. But I see collaboration with bigger firms, you know, kind of more on the for, front end, the conceptual, um, you know, kind of more theory and, you know, what's the driving forces behind this project. But, you know, again, you need the right project and the right big project to kind of see that happen. But, um, you know, I, it's probably super selfish, but if people keep giving me the opportunities to kind of, you know, study villain, you know, the qualities, what makes, you know, what gives qualities and what are the qualities of these different things that we want to explore and let us do little, you know, little explorations like, like that. I, you know, I feel like I would be silly not to think that's a win. Um, so I guess I'm just hopeful that, you know, things keep, going in a direction where we can be creative and um, apply our talents, you know, you know, with the right clients. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks. You know, I this conversation I had with you about a year ago, at least probably where I said, I want to make this website and would make this podcast. Right, right. And I want to have you on. And yeah, you know, I, you, you're someone that I can, I can really look up to and um, appreciate your work and all the curiosity that goes into it. So keep it up and thanks for, Thanks for talking with me. Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate uh, you having me on as well as, um, yeah, I, I hope you're just in the infancy of, of this because I think um, I wish I had this when I was looking around to go check out to say, you know, how are, you know, what are people doing? How are they, how are they doing it? So yeah. thanks for having me on. Well, great. Well, thank you. We'll hope, hope to keep it rolling. So thanks. All right. Thanks, Adam. Bye. This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day -day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts.